0: If you, your spouse, your child, or a good friend is just starting out in the hobby of astronomy, or you want to get a gift for someone to help them on their way, we're going to offer some advice and suggestions about buying a first telescope. I'll also explain some ways that you can interact with people near you that are happy to help you learn about astronomy and the equipment associated with it, as well as ways that you can do it online. It will be interesting, and we're going to cover a lot, so enjoy. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, smash that subscribe button, and if you're listening on audio, please leave us a nice review on your podcast platform. We really love getting your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can always email us at astroguypodcasts at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 973-404-0380. Uh, We've mentioned that we're going to be holding a contest as soon as we get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so stay tuned for that. Uh, And if you'd like to help support the Astro Guy podcast and YouTube channel, you can always buy us a cup of coffee. The money is used to maintain and update the equipment that we use to create and publish the show. The link is in the show notes. Thank you. Okay, let's talk telescopes. Welcome to the Astro Guy Podcast. I'm not an expert. I'm an amateur like you. I'm here to learn and here to teach. So let's enjoy the ride together. Carpe Noctum sees the night. Welcome to the Astro Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Zool. The holidays are almost here, and maybe you want to get a telescope for someone special to put under the tree, or you want to get one for yourself. Well, we're going to give you some guidance on the subject. Now, I've been interested in astronomy since I was very young. I grew up close to a community college that had an observatory, and when I was about seven, I was biking through the college with my friends. It was the 70s when seven-year-olds could do things like that. Anyway, I saw this cool-looking building with these two gleaming white domes. I remember telling my parents about it, and a week later, on a Friday evening, my father took me to this observatory, where the local astronomy club ran public nights once a week. I'll never forget seeing a slideshow of pictures that were taken by club members of the moon, planets, galaxies, and more. Afterwards, we got to look through the telescopes. One was looking at the moon, and the other at Saturn. One look in the eyepiece, and I was hooked. There was the moon. Closer than I'd ever seen it. Craters and mountains, so much to see. Then we went in the other dome, and I saw Saturn, with its glorious rings, and it looked like the pictures that I had seen. Now, I was all in. For me, it's really struck a chord that's become a lifelong passion. That fall, when I was in school, I asked the librarian if they had something that would help me learn more about the stars. She pointed to a magazine rack, where there were several editions of Sky and Telescope magazine. I remember seeing incredible pictures and trying to make sense of the articles, but they were way over my head. But the pictures and the advertisements for the telescopes really drew me in. I wanted a telescope badly. I begged my parents. And eventually, they bought me a 60 millimeter department store refractor. I thought that it was cool looking with its long white tube and wooden tripod. The first clear night, I set it up in our yard and tried to find the moon. It took a while because the finder wasn't properly aligned. Once I got it, it looked okay, not as crisp as what I saw at the observatory, but I could see craters and mountains. I tried to use the high power eyepiece, but it didn't seem to ever focus properly, so I stuck with the low power one. I tried to find other things. I could find Jupiter and Saturn, but they looked really small, and the optics in that scope were just terrible. The mount was wobbly. I was really disappointed, but I wanted it to be amazing, so I did what I could to deal with it. So why the long story? Well, there's two main themes that are important. First, for someone who was interested, but not as passionate about astronomy as I was, they may have been completely turned off by the results from that cheap department store scope. Those in the know refer to telescopes like those as hobby killers. Sometimes, Many of the fancy telescopes that were in the magazines can become hobby killers to a complete novice. An experienced observer might know what the bells and whistles are and how to use them, but that can be really confusing for a first-timer. The first theme is avoid hobby killers. The second theme is find a local astronomy club. The members there will help you and offer you guidance about not only what to get, but how to use it. An Astronomy Club can be a great resource to help you figure out what kind of telescope would be a good fit for what you want to do. Now, after hearing all that, my advice to anyone just starting out is to not get a telescope. At least not at first. Spend a few dollars for a planisphere. You can even print one out for free. This will help you learn the constellations, which will be really important when trying to find things to look at. If you want to invest in optics, the first thing that you should get is a decent pair of binoculars. In my opinion, a nice pair of 7x50s or 10x50s are the perfect tool to begin to learn the night sky and to begin to hone your skills as an observer. At only 10 power, the moon won't be huge, but you'll still be able to see craters and other features, even with the 7 power binoculars. And 7x35s are lighter and easier to keep steady, so that's something to keep in mind. Now, you can find lots of decent binoculars for less than $50 on Amazon. I've put links to a few of them in the show notes for you. Okay, step one, get a planisphere. This way you can learn the constellations. Step two, get decent binoculars to help you in that journey. But, what if you already know the constellations, and you have binoculars already? You're ready to move up to a telescope. What do you do? Well... There's a multitude of factors that are going to influence the decision about what you should get. For instance, what do you want to look at? The moon? The planets? Deep sky objects? Maybe you want to see deep sky objects and the moon and the planets. Where will you observe from? Is it a place that's very dark or is there a lot of light pollution? How portable does the setup need to be? Do you want to be able to backpack with it or just move it in and out of your home? So what's the answer? A reflector, a refractor, a compound telescope which uses both lenses and mirrors? How about the mount? Should you get altazimuth or equatorial? I could go on, but I think you get the idea. There's not one particular scope that is right for everyone or everything. I own several different scopes reflectors, refractors, and compound scopes. Each one is well suited to a particular task. We'll examine some of each type that are well suited for beginners, and I'll break them down by price, under $300, under $500, and under $1,000. Telescopes can be a lot more expensive, running into the tens of thousands of dollars, but those are typically large instruments designed to be permanently mounted, not beginner scopes. We'll have affiliate links to all the scopes that we go over. Clicking on the link won't cost you any more than if you went to the site yourself. If you click the link and buy it, Sometimes we get a small commission, and that really helps the channel a lot. So thank you for doing that. Now, my personal belief is that a Dobsonian-style Newtonian reflector is a great first telescope. Dobsonians are often referred to as Dobbs and are named after their inventor, John Dobson. Dobbs are simple to use and affordable. Let's look at the pros and cons of Dobsonian telescopes. The pros. Dobsonians are affordable, as they offer excellent value, especially for those who want decent aperture on a budget. Decent Dobs run between less than $300 for a tabletop scope to under $1,000 for a quality 10-inch telescope. Typically, they have a larger aperture. This means that they can gather more light, which will show more details, especially when looking at fainter deep-sky objects. They're simple and easy to use, They use a stable mount, and they require very little maintenance. In most cases, there's no electronics, and it's easy to collimate or align the mirrors. Usually, they're well-built and can last a lifetime. And they offer a wide field of view, which makes finding objects easier. Now, Dobsonians have their disadvantages or cons, so let's talk about those. Larger Dobsonian telescopes can be bulky and heavy which makes them less portable and harder to transport to and from your home. Dobsonian mounts are not equipped with motorized tracking in most cases, so they require manual adjustments to keep objects in the field of view as the Earth rotates. While it is possible to do some lunar and planetary photography with a Dobsonian, their altazimuth mount design makes them unsuitable for long-exposure deep-sky imaging. Dobs typically lack computerized go-to systems, aid in locating objects. Collimation is often needed with any Newtonian telescope. You may not have to do it every night you take it out, but probably every other time you'll need to do a minor collimation adjustment. It's not difficult to do. It takes a little bit of practice to get it just right, though. And finally, anything larger than a tabletop version is going to require some minor assembly before the first use. You're going to have to assemble the rocker box and other parts as well. It can usually be done in under an hour. Now, there are several decent tabletop Dobsonians available for less than $300. My personal favorite is the Orion Starblast 4.5 Dobsonian. Currently, you can get it on Amazon for only $229 US. The scope comes with two eyepieces and a finder. Another excellent choice is the Skywatcher Heritage 130. This scope sells for $275, and it's foldable for easy storage. With any tabletop daub, you'll want to set it up on a picnic table or a tree stump, or something like that. If you store the scope in a plastic tub, you can sit it on that as well to bring the eyepiece to a convenient height. In the under $500 range, you can purchase a 6-inch daub that will provide nice views of the moon and planets, and you'll be able to see many deep sky objects. A good scope in that range is the Orion Skyline 6-inch Dob. This scope sells for $429. You'll need to do some basic assembly, but just once, and then it's ready to go. If you're into electronics, there are some go-to dobs available for under $500 right now. A Skywatcher has a scope similar to the Heritage 130, the Virtuoso 130. This scope has go-to functionality and is selling for only $470 right now. However, I do suggest learning the Sky before going the go-to route, with one exception that we'll discuss in a few minutes. Moving into the $500 to $1,000 range gets you a quality 8-inch daub and even a few 10-inch versions. However, the bigger the scope, the heavier and bulkier it will be, so factor that into whatever you're going to get. Skywatcher makes a great 8-inch daub that comes with a finder, two eyepieces, and a 2-inch focuser, which offers flexibility with eyepieces. The Skywatcher Classic 200 DOB is on sale right now for $655 and weighs in at 45 pounds. Coming in at only 53 pounds is the Skywatcher Classic 250 Dobsonian, a very nice 10-inch DOB. This scope is like the big brother of the Classic 200, and at only $749 on Amazon, it is an amazing bargain. Both of these scopes have a 1200mm focal length, which makes them excellent for deep sky, lunar, and planetary viewing. Both scopes will perform well, especially under dark skies, and at the bargain price with a budget of up to $1,000, you can invest in a high quality wide field eyepiece, like the Celestron Ultima Edge 30mm 2 inch eyepiece, which on both Skywatcher Dobbs would yield a view of 40 power and the field would be one and three-quarters degrees across, which will provide amazing views of objects like the Orion Nebula, Double Cluster, and the Andromeda Galaxy, just to name a few. You can buy this eyepiece for $236.22. It's worth every penny, and you'll still be under budget. Or, for just 109 you can get the Orion 38mm Q70, which yields 31.5 power with a field of view nearly two and a quarter degrees wide. Sweeping the Milky Way with this eyepiece will provide you with hours of joyful discovery. Now let's move on to refracting telescopes. Refractors have been a popular choice for centuries. These telescopes use lenses to bend or refract light to create an image. Here are the pros and cons of refracting telescopes. The pros of refractors. They often offer high contrast views and sharpness, thanks to minimal optical aberrations. That's not always the case, but we'll get to that. They require less maintenance compared to some other telescope types. There's nothing to collimate. They're very durable. Refractors' lenses are typically well-protected inside a sealed tube, making them less susceptible to dust and moisture. Refractors don't have a central obstruction, like reflecting telescopes do. This can lead to better contrast and image quality. They are versatile, and they're well-suited for a wide range of observations, including lunar, planetary, and deep sky viewing. So refractors are designed to minimize light scatter. This tends to result in better contrast if you're in an area that has light pollution. Now, refractors have disadvantages, so here are the cons. High-quality refractors can be expensive, especially when compared to reflecting telescopes of the same aperture. Larger refractors can be extremely expensive. Refractors usually suffer from chromatic aberration, which causes color fringing around bright objects. Achromatic and apochromatic refractors are designed to correct this, but they can be a bit more expensive. For the same cost, you typically get a much smaller aperture in a refractor compared to a reflector, which limits how faint you'll be able to go. Like all telescopes, refractors require a brief cooling down period to reach thermal equilibrium. That's going to help provide better image quality, and it's worth taking the time. Lastly, some refractors require additional accessories like field flatteners or reducers to improve performance. Those can be very costly as well. In the under $300 category, Celestron offers the AstroMaster 90 EQ for $295. This is a 90mm scope, so the objective lens is about 3.5 inches in diameter. It's f11, so it's got a focal length of about 1,000mm, and with the included eyepieces, it yields 50 and 100 power. It comes with a reflex sight finder and an equatorial mount and tripod. Now there's a bit of a learning curve with equatorial mounts, so if you're not familiar with them, consult with a local club member or someone who has one so you can learn how to use it. While the mount isn't the best, it will allow you to manually make slow motion adjustments to keep objects centered in the eyepiece. If you're polar aligned, you'll only have to make adjustments in one axis. SV Boney makes a very nice 90mm refractor for only $299. but. It doesn't come with a mount, finder, eyepieces, or any other accessories. But it's got good optics at a great price. In the under $500 category, you have some nice options. Coming in at $400 is the Celestron StarSense 102, a 4-inch F6.5 refractor that includes a diagonal, a finder, and two eyepieces. Besides having a decent telescope, the mount has a holder for your cell phone. You can download the StarSense app and with the app and your phone's camera the app will tell you where to move the scope to find various objects it's a very nice package for a beginner scope skywatcher has a very nice refractor for only 457 dollars the star travel 120 is a 5 inch altazimuth mounted f5 refractor that comes with two eyepieces a finder a correct image diagonal which will provide right-side-up images when you're using it terrestrially. Having a wide aperture and short focus, this scope is easily portable and will provide great views of the moon and wide-field views of deep-sky objects. In the under $1,000 category, the scope that I'd recommend is the Celestron Omni XLT120, which sells for $800. This scope comes with a great tripod and a solid equatorial mount. It also comes with a finder, diagonal, and a 25mm eyepiece. The Omni XLT is a very versatile scope, and it will perform well, but at 36 pounds, it can be tough to carry and move around. However, with 1000mm of focal length and good optics, this scope should provide you with excellent views on the moon, the planets, and deep sky objects. You might want to invest in a good quality eyepiece for the moon and planets something like the Explore Scientific 10 mm argon eyepiece. For only $119, you can buy it and still be under budget. This eyepiece will be great with this scope for exploring the moon and planets. Maybe a refractor isn't the right thing for you and a compound telescope is. If you really enjoy lunar and planetary observing, this may be the route you want to take. Now, compound telescopes are also called catadioptrics or CATS for short. They combine lenses and mirrors in their optical system, and they're very popular telescopes. Here are the pros of compound telescopes. Compound telescopes are known for their compact design, which makes them easier to transport compared to some other telescope types. Catadioptric telescopes are versatile and well-suited for various types of observations, including lunar, planetary, and deep-sky viewing. CATs are designed to minimize chromatic and spherical aberration. CATs can offer large apertures in relatively small packages. And there are many different catadioptric designs, such as Schmidt-Cassegrain's, Maksudov, and others. Each suits a different preference and budget. Here are the disadvantages or cons of catadioptric telescopes. High quality catadioptric telescopes can be relatively expensive especially those with larger apertures and computerized features. Many catadioptric designs can be more complex than refractors or reflectors, creating a steeper learning curve, especially for beginners. Cats with longer focal length have limitations in capturing wide field views, making them less suitable for certain types of observations. Some catadioptric designs require periodic alignment and collimation to ensure their optical performance. This can be difficult at first, but it does become easier with practice. Now, while catadioptrics are compact, they can be heavier than other telescope designs, which does affect their portability. Now, in the budget category, you have the Orion StarMax 90 Max Zudov, Mounted on a tabletop altazimuth mount, this little scope offers a focal length of 1250 millimeters. It comes with a reflex sight finder, and a diagonal and two eyepieces, and weighs in at only six and a half pounds. Operating at F thirteen point eight, it will perform well on brighter deep sky objects, as well as providing excellent views of the moon and planets. It is truly a bargain, at only two hundred and twenty nine dollars. In the three to five hundred dollar range, you have the Celestron S L T ninety, which has an optical tube assembly that's very similar to the Orion Starmax, but It's on a computerized go-to mount. At only $479, it's a good value, and it will provide you with views of 50 and 139 power. This scope should perform well on the planets, moon, and brighter deep sky objects. Knowing the sky will help you set this up. Even though it's an Altaz go-to mount, you'll need to make sure that it's level and pointing north before starting. Explore Scientific offers the First Light 127 Mac, which is a 127mm F15 Maxudov on an Altazimuth manual mount. This scope sells for $500 and comes with the mount, tripod, OTA, a finder and a 25mm eyepiece. This scope will be excellent for the moon and planets and will be good on bright to moderate deep sky objects as well. In the $500 to $1000 price range, you have some nice options. Here are two go-to scopes that have good optics and are versatile. First, there's the Skywatcher AZ-GTI with Skymax 127. This includes the tripod, the scope, and a go-to mount. The AZ-GTI is a very popular mount, and you can take the scope off and replace it with another small scope and still enjoy the functionality of a go-to mount. Go-to scopes do have a learning curve, but If you know the bright stars in the sky and which direction north is, you should be able to use it pretty easily. The scope uses the same optics as the First Light 127, so expect similar views and capabilities, but with go to functionality and tracking. At only $745, it is a very good deal. A step up in size and quality is the Celestron Nexstar 6SE. This is a 6 inch Schmidt Cassegrain design. This scope will require periodic collimation, but after doing it a few times, you'll find it gets easier each time. The scope itself is a 6 inch F10 and will provide excellent views of the moon, planets, and many deep sky objects. It will perform very well under dark skies. It's on an Altazimuth go to mount with a hand controller that has thousands of deep sky objects, along with the location of the moon. And planets in its database. It's a fun scope, and optically a very good scope. The weak spot of the package is the eyepiece that it comes with, but at only $850, you'll have money left over to buy a decent eyepiece or two. Lastly, we're going to talk about two smart telescopes that are designed for EAA, or electronically assisted astronomy. These scopes have built in cameras, but they don't have an eyepiece for you to look into. You install an app on your phone or tablet, you level the tripod, turn on the device, and it'll take a picture, figure out where it's pointing, and automatically align itself. It'll then take a series of short exposures, around 10 seconds, and stack the images together. After just a few minutes, you'll begin to see beautiful deep sky objects come to life on your phone or tablet in color. Both scopes that I'll mention run on batteries but you can hook up a power supply or power bank to run them for longer periods of time. While I don't own either one, I've seen the results from them, and they're pretty impressive. The downside to these scopes is that since they're on Altazimuth mounts, the images are going to show field rotation over time, but for one or two hours of total exposure, you can easily crop out those effects during processing. The first smart scope that we'll talk about is the Dwarf Lab Dwarf 2 Smart Telescope. This has been out for a few years, and the deluxe version comes with everything you need for only $595. There is a way to use the Dwarf 2 in equatorial mode, so a good tripod is required in order to do that. You can also use this scope for panoramas and time-lapse photography. The scope comes with filters to safely image the sun, as well as a light pollution filter and a carrying case. The scope is small and light, making it great for travel. Now, in my opinion, the clear winner in the EAA category is the ZWO C-Star S50. Made by camera manufacturer ZWO, this is an all-in-one 50mm F5 refractor with a triplet lens, built-in camera, and light pollution filter, as well as including a filter for safely observing the sun. It too can be used for terrestrial imaging as well. The camera in the C-Star uses the same sensor as the ZWO-ASI-462MC, which is one of their top-tier planetary cameras. Even with the small 2 megapixel sensor, you'll be able to capture great views of the moon and many deep sky objects that are out of reach for many of the scopes that we've discussed. The C-Star comes with a built-in autofocuser, and it includes a carbon fiber tripod that is very sturdy. And it's a bargain, too. It sells for only $499. The app is easy to use, and there's an option to save the individual frames so that you can process them later into beautiful images with Pixinsight, Photoshop, GIMP, or any other photo editing software. Even if you don't want to do that, you can save and share the images just as they are stacked right from your device. While these powerful instruments provide great views, They're just not the same as seeing it live with your own eyes. But if you want to see objects like you see them in books or magazines, this may be the path to take. It's also great to share the view with other people. So to review, don't get a telescope at first. Get a planisphere, a red flashlight, and binoculars, and learn your way around the sky. This is going to be so valuable to you later on. Find your local astronomy club. The members are going to be happy to help you. Now, if you don't have a club near you, visit CloudyNights.com. It's free to set up an account, and the forums are a great place to ask questions. Just reading the posts will be educational and entertaining. It's kind of like an online astronomy club. Decide what kind of scope will best suit your needs and your budget, then make the plunge. You can also find bargains on the used telescope market. Cloudy Nights has a great classified section, as does Astromart, and eBay can have some good deals as well, but always check the seller's reviews before buying. Once you have your gear, use it often and keep trying. The more you do it, the better your skills become. I hope that you find the right scope that will give you a lifetime of enjoyment as you explore the cosmos. Enjoy. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope that you found our time together to be fun and helpful. If you have questions or episode suggestions, please email us at astroguypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a text or voicemail at 973-404-0380. If you're not already a member, please join the Astroguy Podcast group on Facebook. You'll find other members, videos, blogs, and lots of other useful information there for your enjoyment. You can also visit our YouTube channel, The Astro Guy Podcast, for past episodes and other surprises. Please subscribe. Please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform. It helps us to get new listeners. Thank you again for listening, and may your skies be clear. As always, Carpe Noctum, seize the night. I'm Wayne Zool, and this was the Astro Guy Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, your questions, comments, and suggestions are welcome. Keep wondering. Keep your eyes on the sky. Have fun. Carpe noctem. Seize the night.